Hello, this is Jordan Rich, welcoming you once again to another edition of On Mike with Jordan, the podcast that celebrates conversations with creative people. And today, a friend of mine joins us. He's a very talented song stylist, storyteller, and producer, a favorite among cabaret audiences in the Boston area. His name is Bob DeChico, and he's done his part, and it's a great part, in keeping the music of the Great American Songbook alive, singing wonderful standards and entertaining thousands over the years. We'll talk with Bob certainly about his career and his performances and the music he loves so well, but there's also Bob's personal story to convey, his journey to hell and back during the last year battling COVID-19. It was a very tough fight, and many of us thought Bob wouldn't survive, but he did. He pulled through and is now back to doing what he loves. So settle back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with one of the champions of the American popular songbook and one of the really nice guys in the business. I welcome Bob DeChico now to join me on mic. Well, Bob, as I say to all of my guests, it's nice to see you, but it's really nice to see you. Well, that goes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that goes for the two of us, Jordan. Thanks for having me here. We'll talk about what you've been up to the last year, which is pretty uh, dramatic. But yes. before we get to that, you're one of my favorite guys. We've actually worked, uh, in a sense, on a film together. We did. You had the lion's share of the work. We'll talk about that. Sure. But let's start with you as a performer. How long have you been a cabaret-style performer? Well, I'm not really into a cabaret thing. That's not my setting. It's more like a, I'm a crooner, you know, American songbook, yeah. uh, uh, jazz standards. Uh, but I started off years ago in theater, and I became an actor, and I was very young in my early teens. I started off with the Winthrop Playmakers. Mm-hmm. You must know James Grana. And there are a lot of great local community yeah, theater Yeah, and he got me rolling in Maine. And I did my first role, and, and I remember I got my first ever uh, review from a guy named Bill Segalis out in uh, Winthrop. Winter Playmakers, and I was playing the role of Gregor, who was this effeminate salon guy, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what that meant. I was just trying to follow Jimmy's direction. <laughs> so anyway, Lorraine McLeod played Mame, and she was wonderful, and she was reading a review to the cast. We used to go to Mancini's in East Boston for pizza. Or is it Santarpio's? I can't remember which Either one. one. Either one. The pizza had to be great. <laughs> and she said, Bill loved Bob Chico. She read the review, mm. and it just said, if he continues on this course, I suspect, Bob will go far. I'm like, I'm like levitating off the chair. It's and you're like, only in your teens? 16. Okay. 16. And I took it, and I ran with it. So I started doing everything you could think of, Jordan, running around to different community theaters, being involved in them. Then I went to the Actors Workshop with uh, Frank Storis, who I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. He was my, uh, my teacher, great guy. And uh, then I decided, uh, God, so many years have gone by, but I moved to New York City to pursue my career. Um, got married, past tense, mm-hmm. and uh, Long Island, tough go, but I... Later on, I divorced, and I went back to theater. Let me stop you there. In New York, I mean, when somebody says, I pursue an acting career, yes. that is that is the heartbeat of acting. It's also the toughest market on the planet. You have no idea. Tell What was life like when you're doing that, audition after audition? Or well, what? God, Jordan, I remember doing six open calls in one day. Mm. I was exhausted. 
<laughs> and it was just strange. You go down, like I, I went to read, not to read, but to be part of Oklahoma at the Winter Garden Theater and down there, sub-basement, and the casting guy comes by and goes, no, 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 you can stay. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. It was like a meat market. Mm-hmm. But it was a very, it's a very whole different culture uh, back then. But I met a lot of nice people, actors. I studied at, uh, I took actually broadcasting for TV and radio and I now defunct uh, the Center for Media Arts in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I, then I started a parlay into DJ. I got some work on Long Island, this WLIM with Frank, uh, what the hell is his name? I can't, memory is going. That's okay. Uh, you remember the call letters. Jack, yeah, Jack Ellsworth was my writer. That was, and he uh, he started a lot of other stuff, WALK, mm-hmm. which he started. And then I went over to different radio stations. So I was kind of moving in different directions. And I, I sort of wish I could have stayed just with, with the acting. But I was always trying to, like being a jack of all trades. But the crooner part. Yes. You obviously have a naturally fine voice well, for that kind of thing. thing. <laughs> did you did you seek out training and teaching in that I did. area? I did. I, I Early on, I was still in Boston. I studied with, at Berkeley. I had a very eccentric uh, vocal coach named Lenny Lane who would say, Bob, when I'm in the bathroom, just give me your scales. And I'm going, all right, Lenny. All right. <laughs> What's going on? How about, well, you're in the bathroom. Give me the bathroom scale. Yeah, you think? (laughs) So this is interesting because, I mean, I know of you uh, because of your current uh, work. And we'll talk about that wonderful tribute to the World War II veterans. But I did not know all of this about New York and and all the the ins and outs of showbiz acquisition. Yeah, I uh, auditioned for a lot of stuff. I I, I auditioned for Sound of Music at at the... uh, at the now defunct uh, Helen, Hel- uh, Helen, not Helen Keller. Helen Hayes. Helen Hayes, I'm sorry. Okay. And uh, the other one, the Morosco, mm. and which was kind of odd. A year later, they, they said they didn't have to raise those buildings. They could have built around it. Mm. So two of your venues, gone. Gone. So I went to uh, Nat Horn. Uh, he uh, had a school there on 42nd Street, the Nat Horn you know, School. And he was more of a dancer. And... Uh, God knows, dancing was not one of my fortes. I, I could leave a room well, but I can't. Do, can't do you recall <laughs> as you were going around and doing this, and you were one of many because that's the majority of people, not the minority. Do you recall any names that ended up doing other things, people that you were auditioning with? Uh, let me get my think tank going here. All right. Take a swig and think about that because it's always interesting uh, <laughs> who you sit next to at an audition call. True. And I've even been in voiceover auditions over the years in Boston and I'm sitting next to people who I've seen on television I, I've seen this guy on a, <clears throat> on a national commercial Excuse I've seen me. this guy in a, in a character role in a movie yeah yeah I only can recall because the, the brain is not working as it used to be <laughs> join the crowd oh my god there was a guy who my brother actually met he had a gig years ago up in Holyoke and uh, he got into uh, Pacific Overtures on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. It was it was an Asian name. I'm so sorry. And then um, I'll never forget when I met this guy. <laughs> he went to audition for Fiddler on the Roof, and he went like to half a dozen callbacks. And he said to the casting guy, "I want to understand why didn't I get chosen? I want to play the rabbi." 
And the casting agent said, well, he said, because you're not Jewish enough. What, this was the Asian? No, no, no. Oh, a different I'm guy. I'm sorry, it's a different guy. So not too Jewish, but not Jewish enough. Not, and he said, but, <laughs> <laughs> said, but my name is Ira Klein. Yeah. How Jewish can I be? So I, uh, gosh, Jordan, I, I did remember there was a guy named Rufus Bonds uh, who was in my acting class at Nathorn, and he became quite known. Uh, another guy that I remember, Gregory Butler, became a, a noted choreographer. Yeah, no, you can't help but hang around people and, and they all go in different directions. Oh, it's incredible. incredible. Somewhere there's some podcast being recorded now and somebody's mentioning Bob DeChico. Somewhere, I bet. Somewhere. That's the way the universe oh, works. in good stead, I appreciate So that. the music has <laughs> been really your thing for the last... That's why I brought up Cabaret, because yeah. I know you've performed at various venues. I, um, Yeah, I decided to shift... I pivoted to do uh, music because getting older and getting roles were tough to, to come by. And Neil Simon said between 20 and 50 is your uh, golden years. Sweet spot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I said, well, I'm over that now. So, and um, so I, I went to uh, music and I actually, I have to thank Sharon DeFranzo for, for doing that because. I didn't know what, which way to go. And she said, Bob, why don't you go into the BACA group? What's BACA? Boston Association for Cabaret Artists, which are now Boston Cabaret. So I ended up answering an ad or a post on Facebook with the lovely Sarah Curry. And Sarah said to me, I said, look at Sarah. I don't know anybody as far as pianist musicians. I have my tracks I can use. Okay, we'll bring them in. And so I worked on that. And I remember me singing Neil Diamond's America for July 4th. <laughs> it felt kind of weird. And I was singing Summer Wind, all the old standards. And that's how I got to meet the Winnickers, uh, Bill and Bill. Oh, dear friends. Yeah, and uh, they've been great ever since. And uh, and I've used uh, Cindy. You know, Cindy Gale is one of my singers. Yeah, the names you're mentioning, if they're not familiar with yeah. the audience, um, people can Google these names, but they're all... Very well respected performers, yes, they as, are. as are you. And and the cabaret scene, um, I've been covering it for thirty five years with, yeah, with so yeah. many great friends like yourself. And it's nice. it's really uh, it's one of those things that it's it's a hidden gem. People don't may not know about cabaret, but it's it's That's where you want to see the That's true. the true artistry and the storytelling and yep. the music that uh, is as you say, the great American songbook. It is true, Jordan, because I know that I never knew Club Cafe existed. That's I, a major cl- uh, cabaret it venue. It is, and there really should be more, but, you know, with the way th- things are going these days, uh, it's a shame that we're losing, you know, venues. And like Ryle's Jazz Club claim to it. Yeah, live venues for music, and, of course, that was sad. with what has just transpired and continues with COVID. But it's also before that it was starting to, things were starting to wane. Let's talk a little bit about that movie I referenced. Oh, yeah. Because I know you've done other things on film, but... We, that's how we met, through Cond. Right. Uh, that was directed by Arthur Lund, and Arthur is a deaf director, and that was kind of like the the main ingredient why we wanted to push this movie. And so he cast me as a character called Mr. Million, and I said, you couldn't give me Mr. Millions? So he had to give me a singular name. <laughs> and it's funny, when I first met him uh, to audition, he came into uh, Joe's American Bar and Grill in Denham, and he's carrying this laptop, and he's showing me, I didn't know he was deaf, 
So they said, oh, you didn't know that going in? No. Oh. And so they started texting me. I said, oh, okay, now I understand yeah. the deal. So he's showing me a scene that I thought was already shot for the movie. I said, man, this thing looks great. Until I found out it was the opening scene of Snatch with Brad Pitt. Okay. I said, okay. But that's the, he wanted you to get the sense as to what he wanted yes. to do. So he actually cast me in 2007. And the script was a lot different. And of course, it, the metamorphosis of script, as you know, scripts I wanted mm. to do. And we finally got it done in uh, early, I think it was 2011, 2012. And then uh, that's how we met, Jordan. Yeah, I emceed the premiere. You did. You were and, phenomenal. And Q and A, and and the idea of of a deaf director and yes. deaf actors made it very unique, of course. But you played. <laughs> you must have had fun with a role like I that. Had a you voice shoot. Like this. You chewed yeah. scenery as the bad guy. I chewed scenery, and I didn't know. I said, "Let me just try a different voice, something like this," you know. And and they would say to me, "Bob, did you get a horse throat?" And I said, "No, no, I'm fine doing that." And uh, we had great people in that. John Cleary, a uh, great guy, if you know John. He played the deaf mute, the big guy. Mm. If you ever see the movie. and uh, It's called Cond, C-O-N-N-E-D. There you go. Yeah. And uh, so bottom line was uh, I worked out a deal uh, with uh, Fox TV, the local station. Uh, forget the call letters of Fox, W-something or other. And CVB and uh, FXT, FXT, and I had Sarah Underwood uh, almost coming in to uh, interview us. So we had a huge day, fifty people on set doing the opening scene, and we're waiting. And it's like one o'clock. Where are they? And I called up the assignment desk. She said to me, "Well, Bob, we've had a major fire breakout, so we're sending in a skeleton crew." And then she said something that really annoyed me. What's this about anyway? I said, don't you people talk to each other? <laughs> you know, we're missing out on a beautiful. And we was, I was so di- uh, so disappointed. But we managed, and we got you, and I was so lucky about that. Very fortunate. And that was a great experience. First of all, <laughs> I, I don't go to too many movie premieres where I'm actually sort of part of it, not the movie, but the yeah, the, yeah. the event. And it was really red carpet. It was really fun. It was really wonderful. And yeah. <laughs> somebody taped the red carpet event, and it's, we were watching it at John's house. Arthur goes, at the end of the who are these people that are coming on the record? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> it's hangers on. Hangers on. Say? Come hangers on, get on. out of here. You don't belong in this movie. But it was really nice. And uh, so I really appreciated you helping out. Oh, it was great. And I met a lot of nice people, including you. And oh, that's uh, very nice. Sure. When I said at the beginning of our chat <laughs> on the podcast, it's really nice to see you. Uh, a lot you. of us thought uh, we yeah. might not ever see you uh, again. I thought the same thing. So with your indulgence, I think it's it's a story worth sharing because it's something that we can all relate to. People yeah. know people who have had a brush with COVID-19. Yeah. You had more than a brush. Oh, my God. I don't, I, you know, it, it's a memory that... It's hard to remember because I was out of it for so long. It was April 12th of last year. 2020. Here you go. And uh, all I know is that uh, my girlfriend called me up from, she was in New York City, I mentioned Diane. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, well, what's wrong with you? You don't sound right. I said, what are you talking about? You you sound incoherent said, any more than I am already. So she, said, <laughs> <laughs> so she said, no, you don't sound right. You're babbling, blah, 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 blah. 
So she she had my next door neighbor, my down the hall neighbor, Cindy's number, and she called her, and uh, Cindy came over, and she, and she said to me, Bob, you don't remember how you met me wearing your T-shirt and underwear? I said, Hello, you know. <laughs> so she called me an ambulance, and uh, they brought me down, and they took me to Beth Israel in uh, Needham, and they wheeled me in. I think I'd be there an hour and a, maybe half an hour, an hour. Did the no swab thing, and mm-hmm. half hour later. They wheeled me into ER. I said, what's going on? And that was it. And then the next thing I know, I woke up, like I told you earlier, in this huge uh, ER. I went, I don't need him was this big. <laughs> he said, no, you're in Boston. They transferred you to the Beth Israel in Bar, the main hospital. That's it. No memory. So so before we get to this, and we're not going to spend the entire no. rest of the time talking about no, this, but, but it's important. You were telling me you weren't feeling yourself like in the early yeah, part of the year. It was a long... I felt in January, and then I worked on a Disney movie in late February mm-hmm. in Charlestown. Mm-hmm. Long day on the set. I only using my car, picture car. So when I came out of the building, they had like a 58 degree temperature. I told the PA, I said, "Can you please raise it? It's cold in here." He said, "Well, it's the timer. They don't want to change it." I said, "Come on, you know, please." So anyway, when I got in out of the building, Jordan, and I went to my car. My hands were shaking like a leaf. Mm. I was so cold. Teeth were chattering. I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I turned that heater on full blast. I didn't even know how I made it home. Mm. But that was late February. So, so let's see, February, March, April. So you had a whole month and change month, yeah. for this thing to fester. It's true. Yeah. And I didn't feel any, I mean, it wasn't really, and that was it. So uh, I spent 50 days at, Beth Israel in, in uh, Boston. And then they sent me to rehab in Needham. And 103 days there, blood clot on my liver. and, and uh, Pneumonia. Pneumonia, first two weeks into rehab. And I'm thinking, my God. But I was stunned by the amount of support I was getting through Facebook and through Get Well cards, Frankie Ambergamo. Oh, Frankie. I love Frankie. He's everywhere. Frankie Ambergamo <laughs> is a guy who posts the most amazing pictures of food he makes. Not That's eats true. alone. He makes it, and, cooks and, it. I love and, him. And to capitalize on that food, he saw me three times in rehab. Each time he came with a handmade chicken parmesan sandwich. Oh. Now, what more could you ask for? That's the thing was huge. That's the Italian version of chicken soup, you know. <laughs> I said, Frankie, just put a sail on this and put it in the, in the water. It'd be like a little <laughs> canoe. So he used to bring me that. Oh, yes, sweetheart. And Sharon came to see me. Well, it's interesting. Uh, we were talking about <clears throat> social media, Facebook particularly, and, and there's a lot of reasons to not really dig Facebook these days. But It's true. But when know. it came, came to that, it was a rallying cry, and, and people were very expressive and hopeful and and it, and I know you were able to see that. And uh, but you said you were also in, a, in an induced coma at one point. Yes, well, I heard from Cindy. She Do you know how long that that might have been? God, Jordan, I think it was ten, twelve days. Wow, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm just throwing. Yeah, no, no, no. You lose track of time. I did and, 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 and sense of and where you were. Not to be so morbid, but you know, Cindy told me that first week that I was in there, the nurse called her and said. I wouldn't hold out much hope for your friend. And so you are you are an example of a guy who uh, 
you know, fought the good fight and won, but not Thank God. was it certainly wasn't easy. No, and you'd credit the amazing nurses and doctors who they were something you. else. I told you earlier, I was in tears when I was being released from the hospital because I fell in love with these four nurses. Mm. Even now, as I talk about them, I get yeah. choked up. Yeah. I remember Sydney. I figured that was her name. She would call and go, "Hey, Bob's waking up. Put on Tony." Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. And give him this diet ginger ale with apple juice. <laughs> she do it every day. And because Cindy told him, she said, take that damn ventilator tube out of his. Because Diane told me she spoke to her friend who was a therapist saying, tell him to remove that damn tube. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the ventilator turned out in some cases was, was causing more problems. Yes. Uh, and, and you can't blame and look back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda because this thing yes. has, has been a scourge and no one – they Ugh. were figuring it out as they it's went. It's been awful. And it's not even ending now with the Delta variant going through. No, it's it's still an issue. It's horrible. But yeah. but you're back in in life yes. doing what you love to do. You you mentioned to me before coming on, Bob, that there's one bright spot, one thing that COVID left you with that is actually kind of nice. What was that? It was weird. It it increased my vocal range. A little bit, believe it or not. And I can sing notes that I used to think kind of get get there, and it's more comfortable now. So I'm, I'm changing from more of a baritone into a lyric baritone, and I'm breathing more from my diaphragm, which is the right way to sing. And I think, okay, because mostly it was chest. And, so maybe you're like, compensating for what happened and, and your body is coming yes. up with a new way for yes. you to breathe effectively. Well, that's uh, – <laughs> that's. I would never want you to go through anything like that no. to get a better sense of breath control. But. I don't champion that, believe me. <laughs> no way. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's so incredibly wonderful to see you, to sit with you, knowing how close you were well, I appreciate that, on Jordan. the precipice. But let's, let's – yeah. Switch gears again and come sure back thing. to uh, what you love and what people uh, love about you, and that is a project that's very near and dear to your heart. And I've seen you perform this, and I've, I've seen the videos, and I've I've interviewed you on other occasions. You have, You've been and great. that has to do with World War II and letters yes. from the home front. And this all happened. Now I'm going to give credit where credit is due. John O'Neill, as you know, John John's a very fine cabaret yes. artist, and uh, he is that he is, and. John runs this program at Club Cafe called First Mondays, which has changed now to Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking one time. He says, Bob, you want to do a show here? And I said, well, yeah, of course. Any singer worth his salt would say, yeah, let's do something. So he's rattling off some dates. And he mentioned September 11th. I said, John, that's 9-11. He goes, we can always change the date. I said, no, let's keep it as is. So... And I thought, what could I possibly do to tie in something that horrible to this thing? And I thought about all the, being that it was close to uh, Veterans Day, and I said, what about honoring the, the soldiers of World War II? Because that war had to be fought. And the brain just started going, and I said, why not take letters written from GIs and their spouses and their families mm. and sing the music of the war years, 1940? to 1945. So next thing I know, I'm running to the library, I'm looking online, digging up letters from people. It was amazing the, the amount of letter writing, because that's all they had back then. Right. Some were long, lengthy, very flowery, others were short and sweet. Mm. 
So I started putting this all together, and um, and I got together with uh, uh, what's her name, Cindy, Cindy Gale. Cindy Gale. She's a just an absolute sweetheart and beautiful voice. And I and I pitched the idea, and she loved it. So then I had the luxury of having people like Steve Heck come in to play piano, and Mike Ball on bass. And I remember John telling me, he said, Bob, Napoleon Room, we're going to have to move you to the big room in the back, which is called a Moonshine Room, which I hate that name, but that's the name of the room. 120, we got sold out for that. It was just, I was like stunned. Mm. And uh, so we did it, and we had a wonderful time with it. It's always going to be kinks. You know, when you write something, it's like your baby. Yeah. It's never perfect in your in your head. But after that, uh, it grew, and I, we did it a couple. And so Cindy, now Cindy runs the budget for the Mass Cultural Arts Council, so she's pretty much busy. Mm-hmm. So luckily, I found uh, Wendy Glick, who came into prominent, and she's been terrific, a great gal, great. Bef- you know Wendy Jordan. I know all these people. I know you do. I it's know like them talking all. to an old. You know. So she's a, a good friend, and uh, she does a wonderful job. And I had Maureen Pilot from time to time come in if Wendy's not available. Well, it is important that you have the female you voice. You need that. You do. Because of the, the songs. And, you do. And uh, just it's run through a couple of the titles of the songs. We start off with, uh, we do uh, Sexuate the Positive, Chattanooga Choo Choo, I'll Be Seeing You mm. As Time Goes By. I sing Moonlight Serenade. I remember one time we did that song out in Norwell for Insisted Living, Wendy and I, and we had used tracks when we go out. Yeah, to, yeah. The recorded tracks. I'll never forget, Jordan, she approached me with tears in her eyes saying to me, that was my husband and I favorite song, and thank you for bringing him back. Yeah, the uh, oh, the man. one song that uh, I'll be seeing you is gets me every time. It's I mean, uh, Because it is, even though it's... It's timeless. It, you you think about World War Two and you do. I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places. I mean, it's the lyrics are so good. Oh, it's brilliant. Matter of fact, that has a little bit of an addendum to that. I was browsing through YouTube and um, and I saw this comment about from this lovely woman living in San Francisco, Aurora Leveroni. What a great name! Mm. She's a hundred and hundred and one now. She's a World War Two veteran. She's a, she sells pot on the side. And her comment said, my husband, I wrote him every day for a year or so, and she said, I, oh, his letters, I forget the whole, Wendy knows better than I would, that she went to get his letters at the uh, post office, the military somewhere, and, and they all came back unopened. She didn't know why. I think this is the deal. And she said, so now they sit there by the, by the side of my bed unopened. Still to this day. I, I don't know that. But she kept them. She kept them. And she said, I always used to say to him, I'll be seeing you. Mm. And I could I had to use the song. Of course. And, of course. and as, uh, as uh, uh, memories of you, which I love to death, and uh, walking... Uh, well, uh, I don't want to walk without. I don't you. want to walk without, without you. you. Yeah, yeah. It's so we did it at the Tewksbury Library uh, last week. As a, it's a free service, and over fifty people showed up. Yeah, people are are 
I don't want to just say nostalgic because it's more than that. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's such an important period of history. It and, really is, Jordan. And even though the the veterans themselves are dying off, as we know, that's uh, the problem. You're keeping that memory alive, and and it's to. such a glorious songbook in oh, terms of the the music. How can you not beat it? I mean, I uh, and it was important to morale back then, m- very much so. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's my baby, and I want to keep this thing going. So I am hoping down the road, I should have my initial goal was to use the big band behind it, either with Dan or another big band. But it's always tough because it's always about the budget, you know, yeah. what people want to spend. Well, but the the good news is you can take, as you say, the recorded tracks. And you can. all you need is a an amp and a, and a microphone and a sound system, and you're ready to go. I have all my tracks lined up, ready yeah. to go. It's a very fluid show where I can bring in any letters that I want to use. And the letters that you dug up and found that are available, uh, like you say, they're they're touching, they're yes. poignant. Some of them are funny. Yep. Some of them uh, showcase people who are very literate and others not. I mean, it's just a, an incredible melange well, of things. Cindy was great to find a book called Since You Went Away uh, that she got to the library. And I got a book, I think it was called Letters from Home, or something, mm. and digging through all this pile of, of, of letters. It's insane, Jordan. So it runs, if I do the full show with either tracks and multimedia, it runs about an hour and a half. I have some lovely photographs that I show. Mm. But that's hard to do when you're working just tracks. And you know, I can't do everything. i got to concentrate on my singing. So i got to find a good sound guy, mm. hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you got a great thing going, and I I set you up with a friend of mine who's uh, yeah. uh, very involved in in uh, assisted living centers yes, and senior did. centers. Thank you. Best audiences in the world, by the way, uh, for this kind of they, thing. They know it all. I've spoken to them a million times, and I love them. So uh, that's great, and the fact that you're back out there in the in the midst of Thank what God. you went through, but what the world went through, you're back out. It's there. true. I. In fact, I remember I was doing a gig at Brooksby Village back which, up. Which is where? In Peabody. Peabody, right. right. About three years ago before Peabody the pandemic, Mass. obviously. And it was a packed room. And I, I, I had my uh, tracks with me, just me. Mm-hmm. And I'm singing the music. And then some guy just stood up out of nowhere yelling, my God, he's singing the soundtrack of our lives. I <laughs> love this. I'm like, okay. It just felt so nice to be appreciated. Well, you found a niche, and you, you're so comfortable in that niche. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were talking about Tony Bennett just uh, oh my gosh. reaching a milestone birthday. And this is so important, this part of the American oh. saga, uh, cultural saga, to keep this music going and alive. One of the well. joys, Jordan, of, of with Tony Bennett I had the chance to be friends with Marshall Wood. Yeah, he's the bassist, oh, bass player. Phenomenal guy. Great. Love Married him. to an amazing woman. Donna is Donna Burns. She's yeah, something else. Great vocalist. I'll never forget when she posted on Facebook, well, here I am opening for Tony at this little gig at the Royal Albert Hall. I know. And I went, I know. what the And hell? you know what's interesting about people like Donna, um, and you're the same thing, I'm going to Tie the two of you together. Oh. Donna for a while said, "I'm done. I'm not going to sing anymore." I'm, uh, she did, actually, I you might have been in your in your downtime at that point. Really? Okay. But that didn't I last. Didn't hear that. I, I don't think you can ever, if you really love what you're doing as a performer, I don't think you ever stop. 
No, even it's if always it's part of you. It's there. I mean, no. even if it's just for friends, you you have to do it. It's something that you're compelled to it's, do. It's because it's your passion, Jordan. I don't know how much time I have left, or how many, how much, how anybody has left. Uh, we got about three minutes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. That's all right. No, we're all we're all <clears throat> it, yeah fallible all sitting beings. on borrowed time, right? Like a great Nancy Lamott tune. We live on borrowed time. I love Nancy Lamott. Yeah. But speaking of Donna, I'm giving her one of my shameless plugs. She'd be at Mad Monkfish August 28th. Okay. So I want to get down and check her out. She's great. So how can people follow the exploits of you, Bob? What's well, the best way? the best way right now is through Facebook. Okay. Uh, you can go on Facebook. Check me out. I can give it. Please. It's Robert DeChico, D-I, capital C-I-C-C-O. You just punch me in on the notifications, and you'll see me. And all my unfettered glory in the blue spotlight with a beautiful picture, which was done by Bill Winnaker, nonetheless. Bill Winnaker, drummist, drummist, drummer, Drum. and 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 <laughs> photographerist. Yeah, photographer what am I doing? Yeah, what am I cameraist. Doing? Bill's a sweet man. Uh, he took this picture of you, me. You know, right. as I sit here with you, and I'm loving this, by the way, I, me because too. Me too. I want people to get the sense, and I think they do that. Uh, there are those in show business, the the big and the famous and the, the huge megastars that are that are untouchable. But when you get into the show business world that we have in the Boston area or in yeah. Cleveland, or yeah. you realize there's a camaraderie that is very difficult to shake. It is, or or it's in a circle. Of it's those yeah, and it's a closeness that uh, I'm. I'm so excited to have with people. Well, thank you, Jordan, for sharing that. And thank you for all the help you've given me over the years. I've known you now what, over 10 years? Oh, at least, because the movie was, as you say, about 2011. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My God, Jordan. Yeah. It's like, ring. I thought you were this heavy-duty gangster. <laughs> you you were so, so convincing, Mr. Millionaire. Yeah. Big cigar. Remember the cigar? Oh, yeah. I came, in, I came into the studio and go, hey, Jordan, how you doing? Like, yeah, talking yeah, like yeah, that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that. The big cigar, yeah. And uh, that was a, John Cleary, who I love very much. He said to me, Bob, because the movie Con looked like a big budget film, he says, chances are we'll probably never get that chance again, no matter what we do. You can look and back, he was though. Right. But you can look back and say, <laughs> I was in a movie that had some great car chases and shootouts. Oh, yeah. A lot of swearing. A lot of swearing. <laughs> But it also it was it was fun. It was a real action. It really adventure. was. And you were doing his other film, uh, House on the Left, or something. That was the one that uh, Arthur did, directed with Eric Roberts. I Eric believe. Roberts and the guy who played Mo Green, in right? Godfather. Who's uh, he, originally from Cambridge? I think he passed. He did, but he did. Uh, I forget his name. Eric Roberts, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I haven't talked to, with or connected with uh, Arthur Lund for a while. Yeah, yeah. To, to do what he did, for anybody to direct a film, it's an awesome achievement. Jesus, he was so. going through so much pressure at the time. But he was very sweet to me during my stay. He said, Bob, he said, anything you ever need, call me and I'll be there. And he lives in Medford now. He moved. He has a girlfriend. He said, just let me and Vanessa know. That's nice. That is so sweet. And at, at the rehab center, I was always their celebrity, quote, unquote. Yeah. I mean, leave me alone. <laughs> they ended up, they had the first level designed for rehab. And the second level was for Alzheimer's, dementia. But because it got so overcrowded, 
we got moved upstairs, and here I am in a dementia ward. And I'm like, every so many hours, this guy would wander around, open up my door to the room and go, did you see my wife? Mm. I got to the point, I said, check the bar. Mm. Just leave me alone. But it was, I felt bad. You, you can't. What are you going to do? But one thing's fault. for sure as we wrap up, you developed an even greater sense of uh, appreciation for life. I did. Oh, my God. I, I've changed a bit with it. And this is why I hope to keep, and thank you for uh, at, you know, getting love letters out there to the public, um, making that happen. Right. And uh, I am so grateful for the friends that supported me and people like you, you're included, and Sharon's and and my friend Brenda Keene and uh, Cindy and, and Wendy. And there's so many names, the Winnickers. It goes on and on and on. And uh, it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a, a, a heartwarming thing and just even being here talking to you is 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 really nice. And well, the word look at it this way: you're uh, you're back and you're doing podcasts, yes. something you didn't do before all this. True, it's just the future looking a lot brighter. So that's the I point. hope so, Jordan. And uh, I look forward to many more uh, venues to my show and keeping my voice out there and working with some top shelf musicians and and hopefully I mentioned to you. Uh, with Mike Renzi, uh, trying to get a project going. Yeah, you've got a lot of things in the in the works, and that's great. And you just have to keep moving forward at this point. And, I do. And, and that's and wonderful. Uh, so Facebook is the place to find out about Robert DeChico. Or you can go to my website. It's rdechico.com. rdechico.com. There you go. Well, Bob, let's salute the fact that we're both here looking good. So Thank you, Jordan. That's the best revenge. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, What man. a guy. Thanks. What a guy. Give me a fist. <laughs> there you then, go. And then give me a hand. Bada bing. Bada bing. <laughs> Thanks for, for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bob DeChico, in a sense, a man reborn. Congratulations. We love you, Bob. And I love the fact that more and more listeners around the world are jumping on this podcast's bandwagon and being part of the parade. Thank you so much for the subscriptions, the downloads, and certainly the reviews. Appreciate always Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, Ken Carberry and the gang at Chart Productions in Boston. And until next time, this is Jordan saying be well. And doesn't that mean a lot after hearing this podcast? Be well so you can do some good. Take care. <laughs>